0: welcome to the latest podcast from the plastic surgery journal club each month we review an appraiser journal article typically from prs and summarize it for you in this podcast The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Hello
1: and welcome back to the October 2018 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. My name is Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Shane Jackson and we're discussing Salter-Harris fractures of the distal phalanx treatment algorithm and surgical outcomes. This is by Drs. Jabril et al Um, from the Mayo Clinic in the United States. This was published in the September 2018 So Shane, what was this paper
2: about in a nutshell? So this paper is basically looking at um, distal phalanx uh, Salter-Harris fractures, um, also known as Seymour fractures, um, looking at the different ways that they've uh, been treated. There seems a bit of variation between uh, different practitioners, how they view them, and it's basically looking at the various complications uh, of the different treatments in order to develop an algorithm. and so they did this by doing a retrospective chart review of all the patients at their site over a 12 year period um, that uh, presented with a Seymour fracture and they were sort of retrospectively divided into uh, various categories and treatment groups based on what treatment they'd received uh, at the time. Um, So they had 70 patients with 72 fractures between them uh, over that period and they first divided them based on whether they had clinical signs of nail bit injury and then um, within those groups, then further divided them based on what treatment they subsequently got, uh, whether that was uh, nail bed exploration repair uh, or not, whether they were splintered or whether they had KY fixation uh, or, or no treatment. Um, so they measured quite a few different things in the study. First of all, um, you know, did they have clinical signs suggestive of nail bed injury? Um, what were the different signs? What frequency did they uh, appear? Um, how many patients upon exploration in the operating theater did have nail bed injury to try to predict, um, again, using those signs to predict that. Um, and also looking at how many of the patients um, had interposition of uh, nail bed soft tissue within the fracture site, which would you know, prevent uh, reduction in one of the, the pitfalls of this kind of uh, injury. Um, and then looked at other sort of complications following treatment, you know, looking at their bone healing, um, premature fuzeal closure, uh, problems with nail growth afterwards, uh, as well as uh, infectious complications. So the overall findings, uh, 58% uh, of these fractures had clinical findings suggestive of nail bed injury. Um, of these patients that were then taken to theatre, 82 of them did have nail bed injury on exploration and 47% had interposition of soft tissue within the fracture. Um, looking through the different complications of the different treatment groups, there was actually not a huge amount of difference. There was a relatively low complication rate overall um, with not much of a difference between the different groups. Um, and the main significant finding that they found, they, they didn't have many um, Infectious complications. Um, all of the ones that they did were in patients who presented late. Um, you know, all the cases of osteomyelitis. The patients first presented more than a week post injury. You know, with what is essentially an open fracture. So, I guess that's um, the important thing to to show. You know, basically said if a patient comes to the emergency department, is treated promptly, then they tend to have a good outcome, um, which is I guess a reassuring thing. So what I liked about this paper is, um, I mean, this is a problem that, you know, in my experience, can be not, not necessarily treated differently by people, but certainly referred differently. Um, I guess the fact that these are often open fractures is not universally recognised amongst clinicians who don't deal with this all the time. Um, and so you can get a, bit, a lot of variation in how it's treated. So I think it's good that it's kind of addressing that. Um, and it also presents you know, the algorithm that they create is very, very clear, very stepwise, very easy to, to follow. And I guess it um, probably puts, uh, puts a bit of numbers and evidence behind what most, you know, what most of us tend to be doing, uh, I think, all along and, and kind of proves that that does give good outcomes in the end.
1: Excellent. Look, I thought it, um, as you say, a very good algorithm. Uh, does give um, a lot of evidence to what we do. Uh, As was um, mentioned by someone in the Journal Club, in many ways it's almost more for the people in the emergency department so they understand uh, the importance and significance of these particular fracture patterns uh, and the high association with nail bed injuries uh, and that uh, that the nail bed is skin and so these are compound fractures and need to be managed
2: accordingly. Mm, yeah, Thanks. And I think one of the, the nice things they're looking at what the different signs of an open injury work is some of them can be quite subtle and, and not necessarily recognised as an open injury if, if you don't know to look for it or, or to think of it that way. So I think that's yeah, quite a good thing to take out of this. Excellent.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.